Church, let's stand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence today. And we purpose to come together with one accord to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we thank you, Lord. Every heart is open and receptive and every ear is listening for what the Spirit of Grace is speaking to the church in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen.
turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for
listen carefully to me. We're just not there, folks. You have to break in to the things of the Spirit. You have to press into the things of the Spirit. You can't go by how you feel. You can't go by your emotions. You can't go by if your week wasn't a great week. You have to come in and you have to press into the things of the Spirit. See, we could just shut her down and go on, but I'm not going to do that. This is a breakthrough church. We are a breakthrough people. Amen? I don't know about you, but we had a week this week that was very distracting. And I'm tired. And it's gloomy out. But Satan is just not going to let us move forward without a battle. But some of the thing is here, sometimes we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to do right now is just take a deep breath and let everything go. Take a deep breath again. Let this week go. Let the beginning of the service go. Let's just focus on Jesus. It says to be still and know that I'm God. And I want the presence of God, the anointing of God more than anything. And I know you do too. So let's just be still a minute. Spirit, you're the helper. Help us this morning. We ask for your anointing. Lord God, we ask for your presence. But Lord God, help us deal with our own hearts and our thoughts and our minds and let everything go except you. And I lose the peace of God in this place that passes all understanding guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus and Lord God we just worship you we want you more than anything else we honor you we worship you we lose peace in this place we thank you that you are our victorious king and we love you I don't know if it was the second song on the presence of God. There was a real sweet anointing on that. So let's let's just purpose to enter in and worship. Amen. Just to be where you are I long to be in your presence, Lord 
just to be where you are. Just to be where you are. nothing better There is nothing better There is nothing better Where you Of peace, Prince of Peace, you are, you are my Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, you are, you are. There is nothing better There is nothing better There is nothing better Where you are There's nothing better Nothing better than your presence, your presence. Nothing better, nothing better than your presence, your presence. Lion of Judah, Lion of Judah, that's who you are, that's who you are, the Lion of Judah, Lion of Judah, that's who you are. That's who you are. There is nothing better. There is nothing better. There is nothing better. 
where you are. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this house this morning. There is nothing better than being with you. So settle down upon us today, Holy Spirit, and bring the peace and the joy for your people. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus, more than anything else. There's nothing this world can offer that can compare with you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe seated. I'm going to give you a couple quick announcements. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, is our regular midweek service. Then this week is the Open the Heavens Conference in Council Bluffs. Um, Thursday night at 7 o'clock is Flashpoint Live. Friday is Kent Christmas, Robin Bullock, and Pastor Hank. And then Saturday is Pastor Brenda, Tony Suarez, and Jesse DePlantis. So if you can attend any of those meetings, I would encourage you to do that. So that's this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday um, at the convention center in Council Bluffs. October 1st is men's, is men's night. We're going to do a Blue Rock shoot, and we'll be getting more information out on that. Just make sure you get that on your calendars. October 15th is women's night, and there again, we'll get more information as we go. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Chronicles 25 If you don't have it, that's all right. Just hang on. I'm just going to give you a real condensed version. If you remember when Mike Keyes was here, he talked a little bit about the kings in the Old Testament. And there were bad kings that served pagan gods and didn't serve God. There were good kings that served God but didn't take down the strongholds or the high places or the pagan worship. And then there were great kings that served God with all their hearts and took down the the high places, the pagan worship. And then you also realize at this time there were two, basically two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And David, King David had been anointed as king over Judah and eventually over all of Israel. But at this time in Second Chronicles, they were divided again. There was a lot of strife going on there through the years. So Amaziah is now reigning in Judah. And what, the other thing you've got to recognize, when there was a good king, he always protected the people in their borders. He always had a valiant, strong army. And Amaziah was a pretty good king, not super in the top, but pretty good. And he served God, and he was protecting the people, and he knew that there was going to be a war against Edom. And so he rounded up 300,000 valiant soldiers from Judah. But he didn't think it was quite enough. So he went and got 100,000 from Israel, 100,000 guys, valiant, good soldiers, and he paid them each 100 talents of silver. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think a hundred talents of silver, and I don't know exactly what that is, 
to 100,000 guys is a big chunk of change. And then God came and said, "Uh uh-uh. He sent a man of God, a a prophet, priest, whatever, and said, "Uh uh-uh. You're going to, if you take these guys from Israel, you're going to get whooped. Because they weren't really serving God, they were serving the talents of silver. And because Amaziah had then started to put his trust in the soldiers instead of in God. And so he said, he said, just send them back home. God told him, just send them back home. And Amaziah said, Oh my gosh, but what am I going to do about all this money I just gave away? And he said, the Lord answered him and he said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. And I'm just going to read you a little commentary in my Bible. It says, in man's economy, the law of supply and demand regulates the price paid for goods and services. In times of oversupply, the prices go down. In times of shortage, the prices rise. Man's economy fluctuates with times and seasons. God's economy, however, and this is what we need to get, God's economy has no shortages. God's supply always equals our need. He does not want any of his people to have any lack, but rather to increase more and more. Do you think that if you give something to God... You will have less, not according to God's law of seed faith. When you give, you have just put yourself in position for increase. We can never outgive God. No matter what we give to him, we multiply it back to us. He will multiply it back to us in a greater amount than what we gave. Our ability to receive the harvest, however, is not automatic. And this is important also. We have to expect to receive, but we can't expect to receive from the person to whom we gave. But we have to expect to receive from God as our source. It is an act of our faith. We learned that if anybody understands this, it should be people in Nebraska, that to plant means action. We have to do something. But harvest is action too. And we're going to see that in the next few months in Nebraska. There's going to be a lot of action, a lot of work going play forth. But when you do those things in faith, both of those actions of planting and receiving the harvest and doing something is an act of faith, and God will bless us in return. So, it's, you know, it's really important in the time and season we're in, we're navigating things. We're navigating changes. I've talked to you about this a lot. It's very important, and and Mike Keyes talked about this also. We've got to manage our emotions. We've got to manage our zeal. Because Amaziah had a lot of emotion, a lot of zeal. But he had to bring it back in and put his trust in God. We have to take that deep breath and realize that God is for us. And we don't want to launch out and do something in the flesh. We want to make sure that everything we do... We are led by the Spirit of God because we need the presence of God. We need the help of God. Mm-hmm. So with that, if you have your offerings ready, go ahead. And ushers, you can receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
Amen. I'm glad you're here today. We're missing a few. Are you a spectator or a participator? Or a little of both? Amen. We can't be spectators in these last days. We got to be men and women of God. Amen. Now I'm go- I'm going to share, um, and I'm going to read to you something today that, that it's powerful. And and uh, but I want you to look in your Bibles to Acts chapter four. We've on we're on a series on the anointing, and. In the days ahead, we're going to have to learn to be sensitive to the anointing in the presence of God. And the anointing was on that, that second song on the presence, that real still, quiet song. And we're going to have to be sensitive to that in the days ahead, just to camp on that and, and not move on. And we'll do that. But in Acts chapter 4, in verse 32, it says, Now all the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who sold possessors who who all, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed each one among anyone that had need. Now, I want you to see today, and we're going to talk about, we're on the together principle. Say together. God wants to bring his people together in these last days. And we have to all come together in one accord. Say in one accord. It's it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen. We said the early church experienced grace and anointing for miracles when they came together because they were one heart and one soul. They received the word together. They worshiped together. They prayed together, they fellowshiped together, they wept together, they rejoiced together, they gave to each other as they faced needs together. Everyone say together. I thought about this, and and Buddy Harrison, I'll never forget this, years ago he said this, you can tie two cats' tails together and call them united, but are they? You can tie two cat's tails, I dare you to try it. See what happens. You can call them united, but are they? And you can bring people together on a Sunday morning, all different walks of life, all different levels of their faith, and you can say, well, we're all together, but are we in one accord? And it's important, like she said, we had a rough week. My sister came, she has Alzheimer's, and we were, they arrived, we were sitting on the deck, and I hear bangs. She fell on the floor, we ended up taking her by ambulance to the hospital. She's in the hospital through Wednesday, and they got there back home yesterday. And it's hard to see a family member in that condition. And, uh, you know, we didn't feel good all week, and, and uh, it just was one, anybody ever have a week like that? Just one of those weeks. But you know what? He's still on the throne. 
I'm still his son. You're still his son and daughter. You know? And so we've got to remind ourselves of that, especially when we come to church on a Sunday morning. When we've had days and weeks like that, we've got to focus, why are we coming together? So so I can receive a, a prophecy, or can I be blessed, and can someone lay hands Are we coming together for that? Are we coming together because of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen? So any congregation can come together on a Sunday morning, but are they truly in one accord? This gentleman, John Kingsley Alley, made this statement. He says, I saw that God is looking for a people upon whom he can place the spirit of understanding corporately and individually. That each will have the same passion for the will of God to be done as the preacher. And together with one heart and one mind, they will arise and do the will of God. Let me say that again. It's a good statement. I saw that God is looking for a people upon whom he can place the spirit of understanding corporately and individually. Then each will have the same passion for the will of God to be done as the preacher. Same passion for the will of God to be done as the preacher. And together with one heart and one mind, they will arise and do the will of God. Now, Look at Acts 1. We're going to go through this quickly. I'm going to go through these scriptures in the early church. Where we see this phrase, in one accord. Say it with me, in one accord. The early church was in one accord. And we see this first in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had... Enter, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now look at verse 14. These all continued with one accord. I think the, the King James says they stayed. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Look at chapter 2. I'm going to go through this quickly. Then we're going to define in one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? With one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. If you want the suddenlies, then you need to get in one accord. It's no different in your family. If you want God to move, then get in one accord. A rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then they appeared them to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Look at um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Acts 2, 46. It says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what was the results of being one accord? Favor and growth. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Acts 4, 23. This is where Peter and John were arrested. It says in verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with what? 
one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Go on, jump down to verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was what? shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So you got to see the results here of being with one accord. There was great healings, there was deliverance, the place where they were shaken was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see why it's so important that we come together in one accord? Look at Acts 5. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with what? One accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out of the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all what? healed are you getting the picture yet of how important being in one accord is now simple definition homothumadon is the greek word in one accord it be it means being unanimous having mutual consent being in agreement having one mind and purpose amplified bible says all of these with their minds in full agreement We wonder why we don't see God move. It's because we need to come together in one accord. It's that simple. We need to come together in one accord when we worship God. You can't you can't be distracted and pulled here and pulled there. You have to develop this mindset the minute you walk through the front doors. Bless God, I don't care what my body says and how I feel, what I had experienced this week. I'm determined that I'm coming together with my brothers and sisters in one accord. And I'm going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, it's a mindset. It's an attitude that we have to develop in the days ahead. Amen? Now, one more, look at Acts, chapter 8. This is where Stephen was, became the first martyr in the church. In chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. <clears throat> at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Look at verse 6. And the multitudes, what? It's it's just two or three people? Think about that. Multitudes. Say it. Multitudes of people in one accord. Is that even possible? You just get two or three people in one accord. It's a miracle sometimes in the church. 
But this is multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now, don't overlook that. There were a lot of demons cast out. Amen? People who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Now, I know that's part of the evangelist ministry, but that's miraculous. But here, there was great joy in that city. In that city, there was great joy in the city. I just, I want to see Norfolk experience great joy. Listen, God's no respecter of persons. If multitudes can come in one accord, then God can move and multitudes can get in one accord in this city. He's no respecter of persons. So the, the, the results of becoming, coming together in agreement, coming together in one accord, people are healed, there's favor, there's supernatural growth, you're shaken. It's time the church gets shook. There's boldness, and there's people that are delivered from, from demons, and there's supernatural miracles and healings. And enjoy. Yeah, thank you. That's right. We need to get in one accord. Amen. Boy, in these days, folks, it's not easy to live. It's going to get darker. The world's going to get darker. It's not going to get easier. But the church is going to rise up and get brighter. But we're going to have to have a mindset. We've got to come together in one accord. And and that's going to take the grace of God. But he's called the spirit of grace. Amen. And and the thing in the days ahead, too, that, that you're going to have to do, you're going to have to remember, to, you've got to pray for your leadership. If the devil can keep you so distracted in your own affairs of life that you don't take time to pray for your for your leaders, you know, that's going to have an effect on the in one, in one accord thing. Amen. Now. I want to read this to you. It won't take long. This is from Rick Renner. And this occurred in Riga, Latvia, these miracles. And I was sitting there at the desk this morning thinking, I met Rick Renner in Riga, Latvia. It just dawned on me. I had to go back and research and find out where this occurred, but it was in Riga, Latvia. That's where God sent him when we restarted his church. And uh, I want to read this to you because he takes this Greek word homothumadon and defines it. But he goes through and he gives the miracle that occurred. And he quotes this scripture from Acts 8, which I just read to you. How Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ on them. And the people with one accord, say it again, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, he had talked about this in another part of this book. But I'm going to read to you, he said, um, 
It was the conclusion of five amazing days of meetings. The first large public meeting that Denise and I had ever conducted in the former USSR of the 32,000 people who attended the event. Think about that. That's a lot of people. 32,000, that's bigger than Norfolk. 32,000 people who attended the the event, 7,000 came forward to receive Christ. And 926 people received water baptism, and we witnessed scores of healings, miracles, and deliverances. And he says, the meeting reminded me of Acts 8, which I just quoted to you. In those five days of meetings, we preached Christ to 32,000 people. And the people literally gave heed unto the things that we preached. I'll never forget, I had the privilege and the opportunity to preach and stand before a multitude of people in Latvia, in Riga, Latvia. <laughs> and they, they were desperate for the things of God. They were hungry for the things of God. It wasn't like the American church. It was different. It was wonderful. As a result, we saw miracles that week, including the expulsion of many unclean spirits that cried out as they were expelled from people by the delivering power of Christ. Many who had various types of sickness were healed, including the lame. And just as Acts 8, 8 says there was great joy as a result of, of all these happenings. Listen, you get people delivered from demons, people healed, you're going to have joy. Yet there was one man who was obviously in need of a miracle but had not received a healing touch in the meetings. He came into the meetings each night after the meeting had started so he could get to his reserved seat without fighting the crowds that swarmed into the big auditorium because he came in late each night. I saw him each evening. I couldn't help but notice his desperate and sad physical condition and the distorted look of pain on his face. I later learned that this man had been paralyzed from the waist down as a result of falling off his house 19 years earlier. For 19 years, he had used crutches like legs. He would swing his body. You've seen that people swing their legs on his crutches as he slowly moved forward one crutch step at a time. Once he would finally reach his seat each evening, he would collapse into his chair, exhausted from his crutch walk. But he had come in after the rest of the crowd was seated and many people had watched him come into the auditorium each evening and they were aware of his extremely disabled condition. That week we'd witnessed many instantaneous miracles. Ears of the deaf were open. And as Christ came into people's hearts, we literally heard demons scream as the power of Christ drove them out. How would you react if somebody screamed when a devil came out? Well, if you came to church on a Sunday morning, that happened. Would you rejoice or fall over in fear? It was everything I'd read about in the book of Acts. But it was happening here and now in our meeting. Denise and I were speechless at the wonder-working power of God we saw in those services. Now was last night. Oh, how I longed for that paralyzed man to receive a miraculous touch. As that last meeting concluded, I stood to dismiss the crowd and bid them farewell. Suddenly, I heard a a lot of commotion to my left, and I turned to see what the disturbance was all about. I turned at the exact moment. The man on the crutches suddenly shot straight up from his chair and threw his crutches into the air. 
Before I could even catch my breath, the man jumped and began walking free of crutches. The bottom half of his paralyzed body had suddenly come alive. This was the first time this man had walked in 19 years without his crutches. He literally went walking and leaping and praising God all the way to the front of the auditorium where he threw his crutches on the stage and then stood there jumping for joy, just like when Peter, remember, entered the temple. There was the lame man. There was a crowd that night of approximately 8,000 people. When they saw this miracle happen right before their eyes, hundreds rushed the stage for more prayer. Only God knows how many more people received miracles that night. When the auditorium authority said it was time to shut down the meeting, people didn't want to leave and had to be forcibly directed out of the arena and onto the street. People clung to us asking for more prayer, but it was time to leave. So we quickly left the stage through a private back hallway and a door that opened right to our transportation. However, when we exited that exterior door, several hundred people had already surrounded our vehicle, wanting one more opportunity to receive prayer. Oh, America needs to wake up. Oh, America. Later, as I meditated on the miracles we saw that week, I kept going back to Philip's experience in Samaria in Acts 8, which I read to you. It specifically says the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke. This is precisely what what had happened or occurred with us. So I opened my Greek New Testament to study what these words meant in the Greek. The words one accord, homo thumadon, a compound of homo and thumus, The word homu usually points to a moment when something happens at one time or simultaneously. The word thumos here carries the picture of passion. Say passion. The people were excited about what Philip was preaching. The Greek word tells us they were completely stirred up and excited about what they were hearing. And it wasn't just a few of them, but all of them at once were caught in the moment in an eruption of thrill. The crowds were so enraptured by what Philip was preaching that Acts 8, 6 says they gave heed to the things he was speaking to them. The words gave heed are from the word prosecco, a compound of the words pros and echo. The word pros means near, and the word echo means to hold or to embrace. When the two words are compounded, the new word prosecco means to hold near or to draw near. It's the idea of giving one's full attention to what is being spoken and heard and drawing as near to it as possible. In other words, all those people under the sound of Philip's preaching were fixated on and undistracted from his message. Oh, if every preacher in the United States could have that on a Sunday morning. A people who were not distracted. A people that were fixated on the word. A people that were hungry for God. Prosecco can also be translated to give one's full attention to a matter, to apply the mind to a thing, or to give serious consideration or contemplation to what is being heard. This was not a light listening moment in Philip's ministry in Samaria. Those people were listening with 100% of their hearts and souls. Everyone say 100%. We're all guilty of not coming into church with 100% attitude.
all of us in this room. The quietness is, I guess, is saying, yeah, you're right. Amen? No wonder Philip's crowd experienced so many miracles. Romans 10.17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as they listen so intensely to the message of Christ. Faith came exploding in their hearts. And where faith explodes, the supernatural takes place. Where faith explodes, the supernatural takes place. This truth, by the way, provided my answer for why I saw so many supernatural signs and wonders in the big meeting in the USSR. The crowd was fixated on every word we preached from that stage. And that's, I'm telling you, Harvest Church, when I was there and stood on that stage in Riga, Latvia, the people were like that. They, you, they just were so hungry. And it says, and where the message of Christ is really heard, faith comes. That explains why miracles started occurring all over that vast auditorium that people heard, believed, and received. This shows how important it is that you really listen when the word of God is being preached. If you're talking to a neighbor, writing notes, sending text messages, thinking of something else, or merely not listening. The word can have a great effect on the people all around you, yet have no effect on you. If you want to see the supernatural, you must be totally focused on the message that's being preached. For faith comes by hearing, really hearing the word of God. And when the message has been heard and embraced by 100% of a hearing heart, the environment becomes right for the supernatural to start taking place. Amen. Here's the prayer. I'm going to read it to you. Father, first of all, I repent for each and every time. I've been where the word is preached, yet I disrespectfully, disrespectfully allowed myself to be distracted by other things in my mind, by writing notes, sending text messages, or by visiting with my neighbor. Father, your words are life. Each one contains the power to save, heal, deliver, and transform, and to make all things new. Forgive me for not giving your word the full esteem and utmost regard. I've been wrong for not totally focusing on the message being preached. For this, I truly ask you for your forgiveness. I ask you to help me discipline my mind to focus as I respond with ears to hear and a heart to receive what is being preached so that the message will impart faith to my heart. Amen. We're living in a time, folks, we can't afford to be distracted spiritually. We're living in a time, folks, we can't afford not giving the Word of God 100% of our attention. We're living in a time, folks, where we have to come together in worship and leave the baggage at the door. I did that one week. Maybe I'll have to do it again. Years ago, I put a bunch of suitcases at the front door to remind you to leave your junk and your baggage at the front door. And let's enter into the, in, in, into the you know, sanctuary with a heart that's ready to worship. Amen? I'm going to read. I'll close with a, a scripture. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. From Romans... Chapter 12 and verse 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. 
King James says, be of the same mind. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself. <laughs> Listen to this. Readily adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourself the humble task. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. I'm going to read to you from also in the Amplified. In Philippians chapter 2. So by whatever appeal to you, there is our mutual dwelling in Christ. By whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in him affords. By whatever persuasive incentive there is in love. By whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share. By whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy. Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony. Being of the same mind and one in purpose. That's what homothumadon means. Being of the same mind, one in purpose, having the same love, being one in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for, for unworthy ends, are prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what being of one mind and one purpose is. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about each other. Amen. You're awful quiet. I hope you heard something today. Did you? Do you have anything to add, dear? Let's stand up this morning. Everyone say in one accord. Say it's vital in the days ahead that Harvest Church be in one accord. Amen. See, as leadership in the days ahead gives direction, that's what leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to hear from God and give direction to the church. Then, then if we're of one mind and purpose, we're going to listen to what the leadership says. And if we'll do that, then we'll be in one accord. But if you can't do that, then you can't be in one accord. And then you're not going to have the unity. Then you're not going to be of one mind and one purpose. And then you're not going to see God move. It's that simple. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that I communicated to your people today the importance of being in one accord, coming together in one accord, being of one mind and one purpose, totally 100% engaged in worship and in the Word of God. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord. We purpose in the days ahead that when we come through those doors, we're going to come expecting we're going to come, we're going to sit on the edge of our seats expecting God to move. Father, I pray, Lord God, for a greater spiritual hunger in the hearts of your people. 
I pray, Lord, that you will arrest our attention every day, Holy Spirit, of what we're called to do. We're called to be a light in this dark world. So, Holy Spirit, use us in the days ahead. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your Spirit is speaking to the church in this hour. Oh, thank you, Father. I call the people of Harvest Church in one accord, one mind, and one purpose. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.